Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh. And what is up? Welcome in special edition of Gamecock Central Live as South Carolina gets some huge news today. The commitment of five-star edge Dylan Stewart, a consensus five-star prospect. We call him a five-star plus on on three. That means you're a five-star on on three, 24-7 sports, ESPN, and rivals. Uh, no better way, in my opinion, to say that a guy just uh, – Pretty much across the board is expected to be a major college football contributor. Uh, I think as the recruiting industry has developed over the years, Chris, the five-star guys more and more, I feel like percentage-wise, are hits. And could not come at a better time for South Carolina, both in terms of maybe reproducing some of that momentum, some of that recruiting momentum we talk about, and just big picture in terms of the roster and adding a guy at a position of need, a spot that, I think when you look at what they lost at edge last cycle, um, you know, as far as coming off the roster, when you look at what's coming off the roster this coming year, as far as upperclassmen on campus, uh, just could not come at a better time. South Carolina, once again, going into the DMV, beating out Ohio State, Miami, Georgia, Maryland. Those are the finalists for five-star Dylan Stewart. Yeah, a huge one, man. And you're right. I think some Gamecock fans out there have been a um, little anxious, maybe, is probably the best way to put it, Wes, for a couple reasons. I think, number one, you looked at the fact that there was a little bit more of a lull in terms of volume of commitments. And if you're South Carolina, you started out of the gate pretty hot. You had quality commitments and, at one time, a little bit of a higher volume of commitments earlier in your class. At some point, that's going to even out. It's going to slow down a little bit. That happened. Then you had some targets, a couple targets, a few targets in the last few weeks that have gone elsewhere. And then I said two things really is three. The third is I think Gamecock fans have been looking at some critical positions, Edge being one of them, and wondering – especially since some of those targets have ultimately gone elsewhere this summer. Hey, we're in the game for Dylan Stewart, but can the deal be closed? And so there are a few points of anxiety. This is, I think, wiping away all of those, Wes. There's obviously more to be done in this class. Uh, but as you said, this is a huge position of need. Stewart has been the number one target in the class for a long time at that position, in addition to just being one of the top targets overall. He's the number one target at this position. This is the guy that Carolina wanted to get in the boat, and then kind of everything else flows from that. Now we can start to ask the question, okay, who else joins Stewart in the class? This was the biggest piece. They accomplished it. So you got Zamarian Lane committed. You got Dylan Stewart now committed. The, the kind of drought is over. Then you can look at some other guys that are on the board that have decisions coming up in the next several weeks. 
that I think if you're or in not even weeks, days, Wes, there's some guys in the next few days, there's some guys in the next few weeks that you have a chance to add to this class too. So big news, position of need, um, one that Gamecock fans wanted badly and now have gotten. Yeah, these things, for whatever reason, tend to come in waves. And that's even when, you know, Lang not connected at all to Dylan Stewart in any way, shape, or form, except they are now in the same, you know, verbal commitment class. But they come, uh, you know, within a couple of days of each other. You got, obviously, Jonathan Paler commitment coming up. You got Jalua Solomon. In a few weeks, you got Daniel Hill. And uh, so we're going to get into all of that moving forward. But let's get into Dylan Stewart, the player. Um, you know, this is a guy right now number 10 in the country overall, regardless of position. Most places have him, uh, you know, number two or three edge prospect as well. Uh, you know, Chris, I'm, I'm going to pull up the film here in a second. But what you see, prototypical – sort of edge guy, 6'5", 250, um, first step, closing speed, uh, can get to, uh, can chase down plays from the backside, just kind of does everything you're looking for in that position. By the way, I believe we're going to have our guy Charles Power on in about 10 minutes, so we will be leaning on him again to uh, get on and, and give us his detailed thoughts on Dylan Stewart. Also working on Chad Simmons, he may be able to hop on at the end. So this could be a loaded show. Uh, again, looking at Charles in about 10 minutes or so. But, Chris, as I get the film pulled up, man, what do you see when you see Dylan Stewart? Well, I'm most excited. I hope we can get Charles because I would like him to explain curvilinear movement to me. Um, I do get it, though. When you turn on Dylan Stewart's film – I think you hit some of the high points, Wes. Just the first thing that stands out is you can easily tell, even off of a screen, a computer screen, a TV screen, whatever, this is a kid who is big and can really, really move. And when you're talking about defensive linemen, that you want that to be your starting point. You know, Dylan Stewart, just physically, if you don't even see him put on a helmet, if you don't even see him, take a step on the football field, he looks like your prototypical edge guy. You know, I think listed at 6'5", 250, probably put on 20 pounds going into his junior season. So he looks like you want him to look just physically, just the, the presentation. Then you turn on the film and you see the way that he can move. Um, obviously, the pass rush potential here is tremendous. Um He'll get bigger in college. He'll get stronger, but he's already got a really good starting point from that standpoint. Then he can really move, and then the production is also there. This isn't someone you have to imagine uh, producing, even at the high school level. I think he had 16 sacks as a junior. So he's a guy that really jumps off the tape at you, and it is very, very easy to see why he had offers from coast to coast, from South Carolina, Bama, Georgia, Southern Cal, up north, all the different schools, coast-to-coast, coast, national prospect, easy to see why. Yeah, and we'll um, we'll obviously keep diving into this with um, with Charles, man. He uh, he can go in more detail probably than about anybody in the country on, on what he likes about him. But 
Um, I, I go back to what I said off top. When generally when there, there's some disagreement from time to time among those doing rankings. And, you know, in my experience, when a guy has all four services saying, look, this, this is a five-star. Does a five-star guarantee that you're going to be a star? Of course not. But to me, Chris, this is not even – this is not even like, say, you know, Harbor. With Harbor, we've talked about, hey, you know, he is a five-star and he's a five-star athlete, but we have kind of, as Beamer has, we've kind of tried to dial back the expectations for him as a true freshman to be realistic and to be fair to him. I think with Dylan Stewart, this is more of your traditional five-star prospect in that the expectation will be, you know, frankly, for him to come in and, and impact that position especially when you look at him and you look at the fact that we know South Carolina has had a need at that position. Um, you know, I, I see, I see virtually no scenario where he comes in and doesn't make some type of impact, you know, assuming his health and all those things. Yeah. Well, you have um, a roster this season that's older as far as, most of your contributors. Now they're going to be some guy, Desmond Umiazulu, who is a big get out of the DMV in the last class is going to be someone who plays, but generally the guys that you have on this roster are a little bit older and um, you'll have Desmond Umiazulu. You'll have some other guys back. You'll have Jatai skiers. A transfer was a big get West because he's someone that comes to you with multiple years of eligibility, big, big get on that front because of the talent and the availability but this is a, a recruiting class where you really needed to restock. And so Dylan Stewart, he, he got offered in March of 2022, late March. South Carolina pretty quickly advanced things with him. And that was when you started to really circle. Because you go, if this is a guy that South Carolina could land, it's, it's just almost a dream scenario. It's the perfect scenario because you've got a guy who seems attainable being in the DMV where you've already had some success, you get in the game early, you sustain kind of the, the feelings on both sides, the mutual interest. Then if you can land them, you're getting, as we've said, a consensus five-star prospect, one of the best prospects in the country at that position of need. And Wes, I remember going to, uh, so Desmond Yumiazulu's announcement, his commitment ceremony in Maryland, right near DC. It was, um, back in August, I think of last year. And I went up and I visited two other prospects while I was in town. I went and saw Nick Carver at his high school at Archbishop Carroll. And I went by Friendship Academy that morning and met with Dylan Stewart and his coach, Mike Hunter there, who's coached a whole bunch of talent too. And leaving that trip, driving back to Columbia from DC, you know, I got the feeling of they've got a really good shot to sign Nick Carver and Starting to think forward, I came away going, they've got a pretty good shot to sign Dylan Stewart, too. Now, it was, it was, you know, early, relatively, for Dylan Stewart. But you just got the sense. You knew that South Carolina was going to have some staying power. I think the question was, where would it go? We knew, even at that point, in, from March till August or from January till August, Dylan had already been on a bunch of schools. He went out to the University of Washington, you know, for a visit. He went a lot of places, and so that was kind of the question. But South Carolina, to their credit, 
They stayed the course. They sustained things. They weathered the storm from a whole bunch of programs here uh, to win out in the end. And I think we knew that was going to be the case. We knew it was going to be a marathon. You know, you can you can get in early, but I think you gotta you gotta warn the fan bases every time. Like, hey, especially an out of state guy. Every now and then, you know, you you may land an in state guy or even a an out of state guy who's somewhat local that is a big timer and just wants to be done with the process. Generally, if you're gonna go out and you're gonna get a five star edge prospect, if you're gonna get a guy like Nicholas Harbor, who, you know, just had so much national attention. There's going to be waves. There's going to, it's going to be a roller coaster. It's not going to, it's going to be a steady climb. And so you have to kind of uh, weather those storms. And for South Carolina, for Sterling Lucas, um, man, I don't know. I'm, I'm already like, all right, Carolina's got to do everything they can to hold on to this guy um, for many, many years to come. And, you know, I, I think for him to he is he's already proved his recruiting chops, but this is another marquee victory for Sterling Lucas at his position in an area of the country where he's been highly involved with other prospects as well. And you know, he he's starting to be able to put his stamp on that position group as opposed to, you know, like you said, there are some older guys there. There are some guys you inherit as a new coach. Now he's starting to get some of his guys. He's starting to put his stamp on that position. And, you know, he, he's going to have some guys to work with, too. I mean, you're talking about high upside players. I mean, obviously, the, the Montague Rames situation didn't play out in Columbia the way anybody wanted it to. But you look back to that class on paper, going out there, adding a bonafide four-star guy, adding Des Mizulu last class, bonafide four-star guy, he has started to land the type of difference makers I think you have to have at that position. There, We've talked about it, man. They're going to have to do some different things to get a pass rush for this season. I think long-term, it's very hard to smoke and mirrors your way to a pass rush. Like, yeah. you, you need bona fide, high upside, prototypical pass rushers in this league if you're going to be the defense you want to be. And at least on paper, they're putting themselves in a position to have that moving forward. Yeah, you cannot hide. It's third down, and you need to try to get to the quarterback with four guys. You can't hide, you know, containing the edge in the run game. And there's some things, smoke and mirrors is a great term offensively. You know, you, you can do a little bit more there. You, you can smoke and mirrors defense some, right? But – at the end of the day, sometimes you have to be able to line up and stop the run or rush the pass over four guys. So, as we know, the more talent you have, the better. Think back to the best teams in history at Carolina West. Like, I think about the 2012 Gamecocks team, for instance. They could line up, they could rush the pass over four, and that was a huge difference for them in many of those contests that they won. Let's bring in Charles Power now, our special guest on a special day for the South Carolina Gamecocks. Always great to hear from Charles. Uh, how we doing, man? I'm doing good. How about y'all? We are good. Uh, busy day, obviously. A big day for yeah. the Gamecocks, too. And, um, you know, a recruitment that I thought was kind of interesting. We uh, we thought South Carolina was in a good spot. We just didn't know when Dylan Stewart was going to make his announcement. Obviously, that ends up coming today, fresh off of a visit to South Carolina. But, Charles, we want to talk to you about Dylan, the player. 
I know at one point he had climbed as high as number one in this class in the on three rankings. Um, let's start in general, then maybe we can dive into some more minute details. But what yeah. do you see when you first flip on the film when you look at Dylan Stewart? Yeah, I think it's as simple as this is a guy who has high end size, uh, athleticism. He's extremely explosive. He's around 6'5, 250. He's actually gotten bigger. Uh, over the past probably six months, he was a guy who probably was around 6'5", 230. Um, heading into his junior season, he's now top in the scales at 250. He's a big guy with a big frame, and he can really move at that size. He, he was clocking four sixes as a sophomore. Uh, and, and then you turn the film on, and, and you see that that just the, the translatable physical tools just pop off the screen. Like, I, I recently – updated his scouting report scouting summary on on his on three profiles so if you go to his profile and click the scouting tab that's up to date but um you know came on our radar as a sophomore i think just just kind of was was advanced physically and, and just in terms of the athleticism he showed uh and uh continued that as a, as, as a junior had 16 sacks as a junior if you watch him on um you know in the high school setting they move him all around uh he lines up as an off-ball linebacker at times, uh, he lines up all along the defensive line. Uh, he's dangerous on stunts. But but what really impresses me is just at that size is the get-off, the the bend, which is not all you don't always see for for bigger edge prospects, and then just the closing speed. Like I think that, I think to me the closing speed jumps off jumps off the video as well. So uh, he has a lot going for him. I think he's extremely extremely talented. It is not a great year. Um, in terms of depth at the edge position. So I think getting a guy like Dylan Stewart relative to the, the crop of talent makes it even more amplified, I would say. Um, it's just there's just not a lot of depth at the position nationally. So um, and I think that I think that just kind of adds to it. Uh, this is a guy who, you know, was, was coveted by a lot of, you know, programs that traditionally recruit in the top five nationally. Um, if you look at the teams that South Carolina beat out for him, uh, I think that says, says a lot about his ability. Um, but but his ability is, is fantastic in a vacuum as well. Like when you when you watch him play, it's just um, you know really really sticks out among among that edge group. And it, it, I think he's a five star plus for a reason. So um, I'm looking forward to continuing to watch him as a senior, getting to see him in person. I haven't gotten to see him or or, or a lot of these linemen in person yet. So that's something we'll get to do. Um, you know, at the national all-star games, but uh, there's no question he is a big time high-end talent. Charles, when you, you tweeted out something, I wanted to get you to unpack for the viewers, the listeners real quick, uh, just to give kind of a little bit more of a window in, into what you do and, and how your processes of some of this, you said that Dylan had the most projectable combination of size, athleticism and production. So when we're talking about projection, I know you guys lean heavy into, how a guy could potentially project not only to the college level, but to the pros too. So mm -hmm. can you just unpack kind of what you meant in that tweet? I know you went over some of the traits, but just yeah. dive a little further into it. Yeah. I, I think when you're looking at him within this edge group, uh, there's just nobody else that moves like he does at six, five, two fifty. I mean, two fifty, honestly, like that, it's kind of rare. We see edge prospects that big. They, I think they are progressively getting bigger and bigger now, but just at, even if even if he was 230, I think you, that still applies. He's got good length. He's got 33 and a half inch arms. So we take all that into account. I think edge in particular um, is a position where 
traits went out, uh, athleticism wins out. I mean, the NFL draft will show us that every year. Like there are guys who have been picked in the first round who didn't have a sack that year. So it is it is a position that is a developmental athletic position. Uh, not I mean, to me, like production and just like is a great way in the high school level to gauge disruption. Like if you're a true five star pass rusher, you should be very productive at the high school level. But interesting college is relative to kind of how they look at it with the draft. It is very traits oriented. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think he checks a lot of the boxes there. And just relative to our process, you know, we go through and kind of I study the NFL draft almost all year, but but really drill down on it around the, the, the draft time and go back and look at the backgrounds of, of guys who are high draft picks. Because those guys that are high draft picks are almost always the best players in college football, um, especially at least the most talented, which um, I think is kind of sets a control for the environment that they're in in college. Um, it can kind of uh, even things out relative to uh, – you know, team settings or scheme. So, um, so, so we, we drill down on, on position, position specific uh, factors and um, really kind of, that kind of sets the, the bar for, for how we evaluate these guys. And we start within each position and then go out and kind of expand the big list and position value does matter. Um, that, that certainly factors in for us, but, but we start positionally and it's, it's the most like apples to apples comparison. So when we're like ranking Dylan Stewart, for instance, we're ranking all of the edge prospects. Where did he stack up with the edge prospects? Okay, this is a premium position. Um, you know, he's a top two, three edge prospect in the class. That probably that puts him in contention to be a five star, and that's kind of how we approach it from there. And then we sort everybody in together. So hanging out here with Charles Power, he is the director of scouting and rankings for On Three. Charles, I know your focus is more on you know, rankings and uh, sort of giving everybody a great evaluation of prospects. But you've been around recruiting for a long time and obviously follow everything from kind of a national standpoint. What do you think a win like this for Shane Beamer and company kind of just does as far as the perception of what he is doing on the recruiting trail right now, uh, particularly on the hills of, you know, landing a, a big name guy like Harbor back in February? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a huge recruiting win. I mean, this is – Dylan Stewart has been heavily coveted by top programs for the better part of the past year. Like really since we've like started tracking him, he's been a guy that's like top of the board talent for, for all of these schools. Um, so, uh, I mean, I think the player, obviously, first off, it's, this is a guy who I think brings a lot of value just with his ability to get after the pass. Or like y'all were talking about, like right before I came on, you look at the best South Carolina teams, they're guys they're like they're, they had guys that they could rush for, and, and play kind of a, a base defense, didn't have to blitz, didn't have to blitz to get pressure. Um, and I think when you look at the best team in college football, the best defenses, that's what they do. So um, I think he gives you that ability. Uh, I had to, I had the tweet queued up. I was ready to say highest rated commit for South Carolina since Jadavion Clowney. But I think based off of the industry uh, averages, Jordan Burst was slightly higher. I like, I would have had Dylan Stewart ranked over Jordan Birch. I think if you look at like when I was at 24 seven, we had Jordan Birch like 17th Dylan Stewart's 10th for us. But, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think he's, he's an impact. He's an impact player. Uh, I think he could play early. He's physically developed. He's 250. This isn't a guy who's going to need a lot of time in the weight room. So I think at the minimum he could come in as a freshman and 
uh, play on pass rush downs. Um, and that's a position where you don't always see fret to refresh and make impact, but I think he has that, that skill set. And then, yeah, I think, you know, headliner for the class. I, I mean, I like the South Carolina class. They, they, you know, they had that, that spurt, like when we last talked kind of, I think South Carolina's run on, on commits, um, was probably a little earlier than a lot of other classes. A lot of other classes kind of had their, their run June, July, where South Carolina's was maybe a couple months prior, but I mean, I think it's a really good class. Um, you know, done really well in state, which I think is always important. And then you talk about landing a guy, a, a five-star plus prospect at a premium position as a pass rusher from out of state who was heavily coveted by you know, schools that recruit in the top five every year. I think that's that's just a, a monumental win for, for Shane Beamer um, going in and getting him out of the DMV. I mean, that's definitely an area where they've done really well. I'm sure y'all talk about that all the time, but um uh, I think tapping into that, you know, D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, given the connections there, um, I think being the, the probably geographically, I guess, maybe the closest SEC school. I know this is, that, that's something that South Carolina has talked about for years, like kind of getting into that Atlantic Northeast area, expanding that to the footprint, given the uh, you know geography proximity relative to the rest of the conference. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's huge. And I think when you look at South Carolina's class, too, um, you know, currently they have. Uh, five-star plus edge, and then Josiah Thompson is our number one offensive tackle. And you look at the way they're building out this roster. I think, I think the line of scrimmage has been a priority. Um, you know, SEC is a line of scrimmage league. Uh, obviously, having playmakers um, at, at at receiver, I think, is has an increased importance in college football. But I mean, you aren't going to win in the SEC if you can't if you can't um, run the ball on on offense and and get after the passer on defense. So I think the last couple classes with, with Beamer have really set up South Carolina to do that. Um, and, and Dylan Stewart is, would be a, a big piece in, in that puzzle. Charles. So I'm glad you hit on Josiah. So I know looking at kind of the on three timeline of, um, you know, when you guys do the rankings, you eventually, it's, it's still correct that you guys eventually will end up with 32 five stars. Correct. So right, yeah. right now, Josiah is number 18, as you said. So, this might put you on the spot, but maybe not. Do you foresee Josiah Thompson being able to stay in that range to where if he ends up about where he is, heck, even a little bit lower, he ends this 2024 cycle as an additional five-star in this class? Yeah, I would I would phrase it like this because there, there, there's a lot of – there's more ambiguity with the offensive tackle and offensive line groups in general um, than other positions because we just did not get to see any of those guys in person um this 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 summer the way the camp shook out typically in the past we would maybe get to see some of those guys at like under armor future 50 but this year future 50 was just rising juniors so we our exposure our in-person exposure and kind of just the up-to-date exposure of a lot of these offensive linemen is not super recent so a lot of our rankings now kind of drill down on Going back and looking at junior film, getting updated measurables, which for us is really big. We have like a so we did have like a lot of new data kind of in our uh, most recent rankings update that maybe did like might not reflect action, but we're getting like verified measurables, which for us is like really important. Um, so some of it's that and going back and watching junior film because I mean it's like you know it, it's a lot to watch to really go through junior film to the extent to like in a very thorough way to put out our first ranking in like February, like that's a really quick turnaround. 
So I'm watching junior film really up until the senior season starts. I mean, I'll probably watch these guys several times because you're, you're just kind of refreshing, making sure, um, you know, we, we have a good handle on it. So um, with Josiah Thompson, I, I think it, I would, I would say he's in pole position, but there's a lot this, that could be sorted out there. And a lot of it's going to have to do with how these guys look at seniors and then really seeing them in person um, in those all American games will, will have a big, um, have a big final say in, in, in where they end up. But uh, I really like his, his reactive quickness. I think that's what stands out to me the most is he can really move side to side. Um, he's got good balance. I think he continued to get stronger, has really good length and just the functional movement skills. So uh, I think he's in pole position, but that position I think specifically is probably the least settled uh, relative. And that's why we don't have a five-star yet. Um, the biggest reason why we don't have a five-star offensive lineman yet is we just wanted to see a little more and have a little more clarity with that group. But uh, I would put him uh, as the leader in the clubhouse right now. Charles, a couple of guys, South Carolina fans, have their eyes on moving forward. Jalewis Solomon, an announcement coming up on Saturday. Four-star athlete. I think Carolina wants him to play DB. Could probably play either, though, honestly, looking at him athletically. Daniel Hill, another guy who actually was originally listed as an athlete. Now I think we have him four-star running back. Um, mm -hmm. Anything about those two guys uh, just as players uh, that you want to share that stands out to you? Yeah, Julius Solomon can, can do a lot of different stuff. He's just a really good high school football player. Um, I think he's got he's strong. He's he's well built physically. He has good ball skills. Um, yeah, I'd be interested to see. Like, yeah, I think I think seeing where he what side of the ball he ends up, I think would add a little more clarity. Um, I probably do like him the most on defense. Um, I think he has some toughness that that would uh, translate well to, to safety. Um, he also his uh, his brother is Zayden Walker, who is the five star. Uh, 2025 prospect so um i think that would be a nice uh a, a nice kind of add-in if you were to land J uh Julius solomon uh and daniel hill daniel hill's a really interesting prospect so he i think he's being recruited correct me if i'm wrong but i think he's being recruited by most most schools as a running back um yep, correct. he does not really like he plays running back in high school but he's really kind of a kind of a multi-purpose, like they move him around. He plays a lot of receiver. Um, I think with him, he, he to me, I, I could see him playing a lot of different positions in college. Like I think he's best viewed through the lens of this is a size, speed prospect who he's like 6'2", 220. Uh, he's a very strong like track athlete. He's a really good hurdler. I believe he won the state championship in like the 110 and 300 hurdles. Um, at that size, which is really impressive, um, you know, and, and it can really catch the ball. Like if you told me, Dan, if you told me, if you told me Daniel Hill was going to end up being a tight end, like I think he could easily do that. Like he could play receiver. He just has a lot. He's a very good breadth of skills. Um, there, there's just not as much on him as an actual running back. I think you, we would want to see like more instincts. He's kind of more of a hammer, um, mm -hmm. you know, took, took a lot of direct snaps as, as, as a junior, I believe. Um and I, I just think he could do a lot of different things, but I, I'm most interested to kind of see him this his senior year and just get a better picture for him as, as a football player. Uh, but, yeah. but the skill he brings is is relatively unique, and I believe he might be playing quarterback this year. I think he is. Yeah. So that should be that should be fun to watch. Um, but uh, yeah, he's just a big size speed guy. 
I, I would, if you're going to project him at running back, I would project him as like a, a punishing running back with the additional uh, receiving ability at the back. He can really catch the ball. Like he's very good in seven on seven. Um, and I think he could, he, he's talented enough as a pass catcher to play receiver or tight end in college if that's the route that he wanted to go. Charles, uh, just a couple more guys, man. We definitely appreciate the time here. I uh, I know you recently moved Matthew Fuller, the running back commit, up to a four-star in the on-three ranking. So that's a guy that has had some upward mobility since he committed to South Carolina. Um, just mm-hmm. curious, your quick thoughts on him. And then also Fred Johnson. He's somebody who's kind of just outside yeah. of that four-star range. On-three has him as an 89, which is a high three-star. And a guy that um, – you know, I think Carolina kind of plucked when he wasn't quite as well known. Uh, originally, yeah. I think played a lot of wide receiver. But uh, what, what do you think of those two guys, man? Yeah, Matt, Matthew Fuller has has a pretty good um, resume, body of work uh, that kind of for what we look for, critical factor wise at, at running back. Had, had a productive junior year. I think he had like seventy hundred yards. Uh, ran for a lot of touchdowns. Uh, it had a good track season, track season too. Um, in addition to kind of having a sturdy build. So he, he ran like, I believe he ran, you know, sub 11, uh, hundred meters. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think at, at his, at his size and, and just the going back and watching his junior film, just the, the whole kind of pack, like phys, physical package with how explosive he is, the size, um, you know, his ability to, to pop off long runs, the, the production. Uh, I think there's, I think he stacks it pretty well uh, in within the running back group and, has some really positive positive indicators. I think moving forward, you probably want to see him get a little more efficient as a runner. Average, like, average I believe, like under seven yards of carries. So you, you kind of want to see that go up. That's typically a, a pretty good indicator um, for just how how explosive and consistent at maximizing yardage running backs are. Um, but it's his junior year, so I would expect him to improve as a senior. Um, and uh, and uh, Fred Johnson, I, I think. Yeah, I, I think he's just get 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 pretty unique physical physical tools like good size, good length, extremely athletic. Um, you know, obviously he was a guy who was a, was a campy valve for South Carolina, and seeing like his testing numbers and I believe his arms were like thirty three and a half inches. So he's got all the physical ability that you like a linebacker. Um, yeah, I think the fact that he's played other positions is actually a, a positive. Uh, linebacker is is one where we see that a lot. We see a lot, a lot of multi-position um, athletes, guys who you know play on offense. I think the majority of your top linebacker draft picks are guys who played on offense in in, in high school. Um, so I like that. I think I, I just would want to see you know watching his film. He's a little straight line as as a runner. I would want to get a better handle just for for the lateral agility and that's something i think we'll watch more um you know in his senior year but i think there's certainly he's like very intriguing physically like his physical tools relative to his like size and athleticism stack up really well at linebacker um and i think the senior year for us is going to be like learning more about him as a player uh but but i like what i've seen so far and that, that's just like kind of generally speaking to our process like that's kind of how it goes like a lot of times we're kind of, we're getting a better feel for the, the physical attributes, um, just the general skill level in the underclassmen years. And I really like focus on the type of player that they are as a senior. Cause that, I think that's just from my years of doing that, of, of doing this, that that's the best look you're going to get as to the actual football player. 
So um, that's kind of our approach, and, and that's what I'm going to be looking looking to see from from him um, this fall. Awesome, Charles. Uh, great high level stuff as always, man. We appreciate the time. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Hey, so camp kicking off Friday for South Carolina. They're a freshman. You're uh, you're most excited <laughs> to hear about their progress, and you're not allowed to say Lenora Sellers. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm always gonna, I'm I'm gonna check Lenora Seller stuff regardless. But uh, <laughs> I think Vicari, I think Vicari Swain. Like I think some of the guys who maybe weren't like in early enrollees. I think I think Swain is probably the the one that sticks out to me the most. I mean, I, I guess y'all keep up with that a lot closer than me, but like if there's any of the offensive linemen maybe who could play, I, I'd be interested in. I mean, obviously Harbor as as well. Um, you know, I, I think seeing if, if if he's one who who could contribute, but um also early enrollee. I mean, I I think Jalen Kilgore is, is another that I that I'd be interested to see um kind of what the buzz is on him. But uh camp's always fun because that's one where you know, you kind of get the spring buzz, but 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 the what happens in camp is, is really what determines um, kind of kind of how they're going to start the season. So like I'm thinking back on like the buzz that like Nicky Manwari was getting, you know, going into last year that kind of proved pretty yeah. pretty telling, pretty prophetic. So um, I would probably say those guys. I would say Swain, Harbor, Kilgore, any of the offensive linemen. But there's a lot of guys that that that, that we liked in South Carolina's class. So I, I could see as the season progresses, some of those guys getting more, more and more looks. I mean, I receiver maybe um, in addition to Harbor, uh, like, like um, Elijah Caldwell. So I, I think, I think there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of options. I'm, I'm interested to see, I mean, I'm looking forward to, you know, in, in, in some of the, like the blowout games, potential blowout games early, seeing some of the young guys get in there and, and seeing how they look. Um, I know everybody's going to be talking about, Sellers potentially playing if 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 he gets gets some looks in certain situations or um, if if games get uh, get out of hand, but um, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting interesting guys on in South Carolina's freshman class. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they how they do. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of funny, man. I I don't think there's gonna be maybe one guy that makes quite the impact even worry did last year. That was obviously mm -hmm. kind of a perfect storm for him too. him being ready. But then, you know, they had injuries at safety and no depth. And then it was just like, Hey man, yeah. go play and do your best. And then he was fantastic, but there's probably 10, 12, maybe more guys from that class. I think that you're going to see sort mm -hmm. of slowly get into the rotation. And you mentioned uh, Elijah Caldwell. There's, there's early buzz on him. Early buzz is Vakari Swain is a hit as far as an avowal. Jalen Kilgore probably in the two deep at safety already. Um, you know, of course, Harbor will get his shot. And then, like you said, we'll we'll see on the lineman, the offensive lineman. But Marky Anderson already said he's going to play. He'll have a role. So, um, yeah. I think you're right, man. There's going to be a bunch of guys to circle and kind of keep an eye on. And, you know, it could be a roller coaster for the young guys. And um, mm -hmm. we'll see how it goes moving forward. But I, I think – I think y'all are going to end up looking really good on the avowals on this one, just based on the early, very early indications from yeah. around here. I, I mean, I, I, you know, people always like what I always say relative to like what I, what I want to see happen or what I, what I root for is I just root for our rankings to be, to be yeah. right. So uh, it's always nice when, 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 when we're, um, a little different maybe than, than the industry uh -huh. on, on prospects. And they, uh, 
and and you get like very positive early returns. Well, ultimately we, we care about where they get drafted, but um, yeah, I do think there's a correlation between playing really well as a freshman and being being a high draft pick. So um, oh yeah, you know, hopefully, hopefully that that bears out with the guys that we really liked. Definitely awesome, man. Well, hey Charles, uh, keep up the great work, man. We'll talk to you soon, hopefully. Okay. Good. All right, appreciate it, guys. All right, that's South, that is uh, On Three's director of rankings, Charles Power. Appreciate Charles as always. Try to bring Chris back in. Um, if you are wondering if Chris kind of disappeared, I think we were we were dealing with a couple little possible internet issues there, so we just uh, we kicked Chris out for a second. I think we got him back now. Um, Chris, fantastic stuff as always from our man Charles Power. Yep, good stuff. He's always going to go high level and, and give you plenty. So I think that. The theme here, Wes, is that, you know, Dylan Stewart, one of the best prospects in the country, you know, and the thing I love about Charles is you're going to look at the ranking, right? And you're going to see, here's the ranking, you know, whether a guy is a five-star, three-star, whatever it may be, you're going to look at a ranking and say, why did that ranking go? Well, that ranking went up, that ranking went down and it went up or down at this particular time. But what you're always going to hear is an explanation. You know, right before we came on, Wes, there was a discussion uh, in a group chat that I'm in and the the kind of narrative or joke came up about, well, time to move Dylan Stewart down in the rankings now that he's committed to South Carolina. That whole thing came up and I realized that there was a little bit of seriousness to it. So I sent them Charles's last on 300 rankings update in which he had, what do you have, Wes, like six or seven paragraphs explaining Here's exactly why we do rankings when guys aren't playing football, why we update the rankings. He even went into it there a little bit. It's a constant process of getting data. I think you should want that in guys that are ranking prospects. Are they always going to be right? No. But are they doing more than logging on to huddle and looking at a highlight tape? I hope so, you know, if they're guys that are doing rankings. So it's a constant search for more data and Man, Charles does more than anybody I've ever seen in terms of trying to uncover more data to, to make a ranking. And they do get it right a lot. He's not afraid to go out on a limb. So they were pretty early in on Dylan Stewart West, too, in terms of their thoughts on him and, and how good of a prospect he is. Um, and we'll see where that goes. But I, I think if, if he continues that production, 16 sacks as a junior – Obviously, he's he's going to keep the size and a lot of those physical traits. He's definitely got a chance, you know, to stay in that range as well. Yeah, and um, didn't they didn't they know he's already moved down because we're so high level now in the recruiting business that the people who do rankings are dropping people before they even commit. So, right. Remember, that's what I read on Twitter anyway. That it's already happened. Yes. Uh, at the time, he was being dropped simultaneously because he was a South Carolina lean and an Ohio State lean, according to what I, I read online. But, uh, no, Charles always going to have an explanation. And guess what? Dylan Stewart's still higher in the on three rankings than the other rankings, even with him moving back. So, nobody else had him as, as number one. Um, and still a chance, you know, maybe for him to move back up into that top five or even – make a run at that number one spot. We will certainly see what his senior year looks like. Ultimately, you know what, you know what context I really enjoy from talking to Charles, other than the the detail on 
why a guy's ranked what he is. The context that I feel like I personally often miss because we're so in our South Carolina bubble, it's what does it mean in terms of other prospects nationally at that position? Is this a strong year for quarterbacks? Is this a strong year for receivers? Is this a weak year? In his opinion, this is a year when there's not quite as many high-level edge guys out there. So that's some important added context if you're like South Carolina and you need to add a top-flight top edge guy to your roster. Going out and getting a Dylan Stewart right now, it's all the more important, all the more impressive that they did so when you don't have 30 options you know, that are all four-star edge pass rush guys. Probably something we need to remember as South Carolina tries to close out this class at edge. But I think now that you have him committed and he seems very solidly committed, it takes some pressure off of that final spot. If you have to, you can go back to the portal. You can possibly go JUCO. Those are all options. But I think having a true bona fide traditional High school, five-star, full eligibility, uh, <laughs> an old-school recruiting five-star win um, ultimately is uh, is tough to beat, but certainly with the context that Charles provided. Yeah, you, you got to, Wes, do well in, uh, in the portal nowadays. I mean, even the top college football programs out there, teams in the playoff, Generally, they're going to be looking towards the portal, but how do you build a roster? It's still going to be a mix, and it's largely right going to be based on what you do in the high school realm. And so um, landing a guy like Dylan Stewart, who is very nearly and could end up being the highest-ranked guy in the Beamer era, as Charles said, could end up being the highest-ranked guy since Jadavion Clowney, it's a nice step for that. And I think it's a great point about kind of taking some of the pressure off. Again, I said earlier, this was their top guy. A lot of people have, and I, and I get it rightfully. So this is such a neat position that it's very easy to say, all right, what will the entire class look like? Like I, w- I would like to know the, the two guys or the three guys or however many there's going to end up being first, you need to know the guy and, and the number one guy that the staff wanted to get, that was Dylan Stewart. So, this will open up some other possible. Let's see where things go, right? There are some other guys that, you know, the staff's still talking to that could still be on the board. Um, you can look, Juco, like you said, Wes, you can look to the portal. Obviously, we have generally, we have no idea who's going to jump in the portal. We'll know after the season. Um, but if some good ones jump in, South Carolina will have certainly a good story to tell and to sell in terms of playing time and, and all the other things in Columbia. So, no need, I think, to worry, especially now. Now South Carolina can point to, hey, got Dylan Stewart in our class, and you tend to feel a lot better about things now. Yep. So, uh, Chris, at the beginning of the show, we were so eager to talk about Dylan Stewart. I did not tell everybody about our friend Clint Hammond yet. They've seen, if you're on the video version, they've seen his name above my head all show. But uh, if you're on the audio version, uh, first of all, you're missing out. Come check us out on YouTube. But uh, also, check out our buddy Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage, ClintHammond.com, 803-771-6933. I'm guessing, you know, Clint, I'm sure, still made all of his phone calls he had to because he's a professional today, but he was probably spending every other waking moment reading Gamecock Central, 
reading every single morsel of info he could get about Dylan Stewart. So let's reward Clint for supporting us. If you're in the market for a new home, if you're thinking about buying a new home, call Clint first, clinthammond.com, 803-771-6933. So Trey asked a question here. Trey, hope you're well. Does landing high-caliber guys like Stewart push the needle for guys like Paler, who we thought who we are thought to be missing out on? I, I would say yes and no. I, I think it helps your overall momentum. Does it help specifically with a guy like Paler? I think no. I tend to think the writing is, has been a bit on the wall there, not that you're giving up by any means. But as we sit right now, I tend to think Paler is likely headed to NC State. Uh, we'll, of course, continue to track that. We, you know, you're not going to just say, hey, well, we're not following it anymore. We'll follow it up to the commitment. The two guys to keep an eye on and the two guys, at least for this class, um, you know, we'll be tracking Landon Duckworth this week as well, Chris. Class 2026 quarterback, you have a prediction in for South Carolina to land him. Could be a big, busy August. I think, I think some of what hurt South Carolina in perception for July – was just that several of these dudes we thought were going to commit in July pushed their decisions back. So there were a couple of misses here and there, but if Dylan Stewart had committed a week ago, if Daniel Hill had committed in July the way we thought he might originally, and it was to South Carolina, nobody's even talking about July possibly being a slow month. So some of these just got pushed back. Could be a big August for the Gamecocks. That, that continues potentially this Saturday with Julius Solomon and then on the 23rd with Daniel Hill. Um, not out of the woods yet, so to speak, but Gamecocks, I think, in the absolute best spot they can be with both leading up to those announcements. Yeah, and real quick, Wes, before we get into Solomon, you know, to go back to your point on the timing, not not only a few guys that maybe pushed their decisions back just a little bit, um, even Daniel Hill, who's going to commit later in August, you know, there was a time where you thought might be July for this guy too. You know, so you've got that and you've got what Charles mentioned, and that is, look, if you're going to say, why haven't we gotten a bunch of June and July commitments if you're a Gamecock fan? that That is fair because some guys have gone elsewhere, but also consider – exactly what Charles pointed out. One reason is because some of those guys that you typically get in June or July already committed to you and they did it in the spring. South Carolina got off to a hot start, not just in volume, but in quality too, which you want both of those things. If you want early recruiting momentum, they had it, but there's going to come a point. If you get a lot of your guys in early, there's going to be some point when it slows down a little bit. You got I mean, in January, you got Cam Pringle and you got Michael Smith. In the spring, you got uh, you got also got Wendell Gregory in that month. You got Mazio Bennett the next month. You got Josiah Thompson and Braden Lee, two more four stars in the spring. You got Blake Franks in the spring. Dante Reno committed last July. So you did a lot of your work early there. Now, Stewart's in the boat. Big excitement slash sigh of relief, hopefully mainly excitement for Gamecock fans but also breathe easier, sigh of relief. You, you feel reestablished. You feel reinvigorated. Now you got some other big fish out there. Uh, I'll co-sign on your paler thoughts and not spend a lot of time on that, Wes. Jalua Solomon, 
That would be another big one. You look at the 26 class with Landon Duckworth, you just skip ahead in 25, land a 26 guy. They've got a great shot to do that. And then obviously another biggie in Daniel Hill later this month. If you could close out August with, and maybe maybe others come up, but if you close out August with a 2026 quarterback who's really talented, but then two of your very top targets in the 24 class, I think you head into this season feeling quite good about where you are in recruiting. Yeah, and to kind of continue into Trey's question about does it help with other guys, um, I, I don't really know that it helps like specifically with any one guy. Like, Paler really has no real connection to a guy like Dylan Stewart. Um, obviously, they both have been priority targets for South Carolina. They both uh, they both did their official visits the same weekend. I'm 95% sure. And so they know each other. But if you're Paler, you're at this point of the recruiting process, you're making your decision, just like Dylan Stewart made his own decision. I think where it helps, Chris, is, one, it probably does actually continue to build some of that momentum for you for 2025s because you're kind of getting to that point where people are going, wait, what is going on in Columbia? That's two five-stars from the DMV that have committed to South Carolina in the last six months or so. Maybe I should look at that school. I think also it helps you maybe if there's a guy who either A, is kind of resetting his recruitment you know, a lot of times recruiting process, there's kind of a process to it where it's, hey, I'm looking at all these schools, then I'm looking at five, then I'm looking at three, and it gets sometimes a guy, for whatever reason, kind of resets everything. He might say, well, me let me take a look at some other schools I haven't really thought of. I don't know who that player is that fits that, but you do see that from time to time. And then I, I think maybe for, for any guys out there who have just kind of had South Carolina on the periphery, or maybe a guy that just kind of blows up his senior year. We always see a player or two has a huge senior year, hops into hops into the process, is all of a sudden getting recruited by bigger programs than he was before. Maybe there's somebody out there just looking at South Carolina saying, man, I, I like what those guys are doing. I want to check this out. So specifically, Paler, those guys, I think it's kind of a wash. He's going to make his decision. But momentum, positive momentum never hurt anybody. And it's certainly something, if you're Shane Beamer and company, that you can kind of use with other big-time prospects. Yeah, and it, it doesn't have to be a direct connection, right? I mean, we all have social media. Dylan Stewart's a heavily followed guy. All the social media popular channels have a, have a for you section. Prospects logging on are going to see, hey, this guy, Dylan Stewart, who's a five-star, committed to the Gamecocks. Maybe I add them to my little mental list of schools I want to go visit. But also, Wes, there's a actually a Dylan Stewart, you know, related example from this summer. Remember, we we've written about this on Gamecock Central. I, I don't know where it will progress. I don't even pretend to know where it stands right here on August first, twenty twenty three. But you know, Dylan Stewart went out to the On Three uh, NIL event in Nashville, and after he came back, we had heard from some folks that while he was there, Ernest Willor, who's a four-star top 100 guy who plays at IMG Academy, who's a Baltimore native, um, kind of left that event saying, hey, I might go check out South Carolina sometime. And it's possible he visits during the season. He says very little in recruiting, 
We haven't had a network update on him since May. He just doesn't do much with recruiting, but he may go visit South Carolina. And apparently Dylan Stewart's interest at the time in the Gamecocks, you know, DMV, another DMV region guy who now plays at IMG Academy, kind of got him thinking a little bit. So you do see those things happen. I agree with you a little bit more of just a general momentum thing. Not a direct tie to Paler in this instance, though. Yeah, um, hmm. we got we didn't we didn't finish talking about Solomon. I got us totally off track. Um, yeah, Solomon. <laughs> I mean, I think I've expressed this, Chris. This this guy is actually one of my favorite prospects in the class. Um, yeah, just for a number of reasons. I I think you just look at the athletic ability overall. I, I think he's one of those guys you could put him on a football field, especially at the high school level. If his coach came up to him on Friday and was like, Jules, our top our top eight tight ends are out. I need you to just go play tight end. I feel like he could just go out there and do it. Hey, man, we need you to play safety today. Cool. Actually, we need you to rush the passer. Okay, what do I do? You know, where do I line up? Like, I, I just really like the athleticism. He's a – He's one of those kids that's kind of – I've only actually met him once, but just very cool to talk to, laid back, happy, smiling type guy. Um, You build your roster in the SEC with these type dudes. Charles mentioned he's got some toughness to him as well that probably translates to that side of the ball. Um, Torian Gray, man, Torian Gray appreciation post. He – all he does is put his head down and and go to work and get his position ready. And I think Solomon – would be uh, Solomon would be one of the better pickups in this class if this thing continues to head this way. Just to put it all on the record, you know, I, I think I think safe to say we feel pretty good about where South Carolina is with Jalua Solomon and Daniel Hill. That is post visit to Bama for Hill. That is post visit to Auburn for Jalouis and. Um, a couple of big opportunities for South Carolina to keep adding players there. But um, Solomon, that's been an, that's been an up and down. That's been a battle. That's been a marathon. Torian Gray stayed the course. He's got um, about four more days to, to stay the course and, and get to the finish line, but he knows where the finish line is. He got a very important final visit in and um, you know, I, I think uh, we, we won't put the cart before the horse, but, it's a situation where Carolina uh, could be feeling very good this weekend about things. Yeah, and I, I think, Wes, this is one be, because if you look back at the past history, there's been some up and down to it, right? Florida State, the leader, then you know South Carolina leads, then Florida State leads, then back to South Carolina. Now it's Auburn who's come in and make made the biggest push to be the biggest competition for South Carolina. But there have definitely been – I think some positive indications for Jalua Solomon. Now you, you do have to close it out. And that's typically how a lot of these big time recruitments are. That's what it's been for this South Georgia kid, FSU close Auburn typically do well in that area too. This would be a big, big recruiting win. Then of course, Daniel Hill, as you mentioned, Wes, I don't know how much longer we have, but I want to make sure we, talk- we got a ton of people on here, man. So I'm, I'm cool with whatever. Yeah. I mean, we, we might get, we talking about a marathon, Maybe we have a marathon. What's the longest? Maybe we can Guinness Book record the game, longest Gamecocks live stream. Um, probably not today. We need a little bit of advance notice on that. 
I have queued up, unless you want to do it, something I'd like to tell the people about. I have a couple things. And the floor is yours. The floor is mine. How about this? Fall camp sale. $1 for one month. If you're already a member of our site and you're listening or watching, thank you so much. We really appreciate you. If you're not and you want to give us a try, come check out everything going on with recruiting. You get access to literally all our content on GamecockCentral.com. $1 for one month. All you got to do is go to GamecockCentral.com. You can sign up for there. Your first month is a dollar. West Camp is starting this week, Media Day Thursday. We're going to have tons of content from that. First practice is Friday. Here's the thing. Unfortunately, I wish you guys could come out, but it's only media for about seven periods for practice number one. We'll be there to pass on our observations to you. Tons of recruiting stuff. Wes, we're publishing, still publishing Dylan Stewart stuff. I put out Inside the Commitment a little while back, which was kind of my retrospective on the recruitment. Uh, put that together this afternoon, rolled that out. So come check out our content. That deal also is going away like in a few days. So hop on it now if you haven't already. And we got Gamecock Central kickoff party coming up August 19th. Get your tickets for that. A lot going on. A um, lot, of, lot of fun stuff going on coming up. And uh, before we know it, we'll all be in Charlotte getting ready for, for this kickoff to happen. So uh, looking forward to all that as well. Um, if y'all got any couple of questions, maybe we'll hit one or two here before we close this thing out. We got so many people on here. Um, don't want to don't want to run out on y'all, but we I think we've covered most of what's going on with uh, with Dylan Stewart. Obviously, a huge get for South Carolina. We'll keep rolling out content on Gamecock Central. Um, Chris, we talked about him yesterday, but the more research I've done, the more film I've watched, Landon Duckworth, do not. Do not downplay what it would mean to go ahead and have this guy committed for, for 2026. I tend to think other schools are going to just keep on pushing <laughs> for him, but uh, w- would be a nice early pledge for the Gamecocks. Yeah, and I am uh, I said this, I know, Wes, at some point. It's been kind of crazy, so I might have said it on our show yesterday. If so, who cares? I'll say it again. You know, this is a kid from Jackson, Alabama. There may come a point where Alabama and Auburn, Saban and Freeze, the Mississippi schools of Zach Arnett, Lane Kiffin, there may come a point, and some of those have offered, where they say, we want this guy, want this guy, you know, and then it, the race might be on. Hey, if you're recruiting that kind of guys, good. You, you want to recruit guys that other schools want really badly. That's typically how you're building a roster. This would be a really good early get. Totally agree, Wes. Um, 6'3". 200 pounds, plenty of room to continue growing and improving. But last year as a high school freshman, had a really good year, you know, scored a bunch of touchdowns, rushed for some, passed for even more. Um, A true dual threat guy, Landon Duckworth, and would be a great, again, just skipping over the 2025 class for your first early, early commitment and going to 26. There might be some statistics, might be some kind of history there, Wes. We'll have to see if somebody – a quarterback has committed this early if South Carolina ultimately lands him, but it would be a great get for them. Yeah, we'll have to dive into that another day. Uh, but today, uh, also going to tell everybody about our friends at Liberty Tax, uh, 803-462-5576. If you want to get a head start 
or if you are just super behind, if you are super behind on your taxes, I really cannot encourage you enough to call this number because um, we, we got some issues and we haven't done them yet. But Larry and our friends at Liberty Tax with their three convenient locations in the Midlands can help you sort through any IRS issues. 803-462-5576. Or if you want to be like Chris Clark here and go ahead and get a head start on next year's taxes, maybe you have had some changes in your life. Maybe you've started a business. Maybe you need help with all the uh, payroll and bookkeeping services for your business. Our friends at Liberty Tax can help you with all of those things. Shout out to our friend Larry for always taking care of us there and for being a sponsor here on the show. Again, 803-462-5576. Um, Jonte Gilbert, Cocky Joe wants to know. Uh, that seems like a good question to finish it off with, Chris. What are your current thoughts on Mr. Gilbert? So the Gamecocks are in a good spot. Um, I think USC – look, for, first of all, there's still several schools in it, whether it's you know Alabama's still in there, Georgia's still in there, Tennessee, uh, Southern Cal even. Jonte tweeted out a bunch of the graphics he had received from um, some college coaches now that it's August 1st and the, the contacts there and unlimited and a lot of social graphics being sent out to 2025 prospects. So he's keeping an open mind. Georgia Tech's been a big factor, actually, as of late. South Carolina's been a huge factor. They've now hosted him West three times, twice in April, and then obviously once last month on Thursday, the day before the cookout. And so the Gamecocks are in a good position. Here is one thing to watch, and I know I went ahead and kind of early on put in my RPM pick towards the Gamecocks. They're in the best spot. I think, honestly, they're going to be decently hard to beat. But there's a ways to go. And, and one reason I think you got to kind of play it a little bit conservatively is as of right now, Jonte Gilbert may not make a decision until next spring. And so he's already committed once somewhere at Ohio State, did that very early, did that last summer. I think the second time around, it's going to take his time more. That obviously leaves an entire football season, time for many, many more visits if he'd like to take them. He's taken a bunch of visits. But the Gamecocks are still sitting pretty. And I think Torian Gray – who we were talking about earlier, has done a great job. So got to continue to track it. As of right now, this could always change to probably next spring for another official announcement from him. Yeah, so I got to track moving forward, but a, a high-level prospect, top 50 overall in the country. And like Chris said, a guy South Carolina's been on for some time. Uh, one fun, Hey, let's, let's give credit where it's due, though. There's a comment here looking like losing Jimmy Lindsay did not hurt. I guess hiring Travian was a very good thing. Um, I mean, yeah, I think Travian was a great hire for South Carolina. I think that's going to play out um, that very, you know, it's going to play out that way. You know, I thought Jimmy Lindsay did a good job as well. Um, you know, great dude, did a fantastic job recruiting that position as well. But uh, credit where it's due, the way South Carolina splits things, uh, Dylan Stewart, pretty much a Sterling Lucas guy all the way. They, you know, he's the outside linebackers coach, but that includes your edge guys. That's really his primary his primary spot is recruiting those what you would traditionally call defensive ends um, within this scheme. Travion Robertson will basically have what you would traditionally call your defensive tackles within this scheme. Uh, Craig asking, does Dylan enroll early? Chris, he I think he's an early enrollee, but do we need to triple check that? Let's do a triple or quadruple check. 
before we say it for sure. But we'll do that. I, I think, I'm pretty sure that's been the plan for for some time is for him to be an early guy. So we'll we'll triple check that, quadruple check it to make sure. But um, hey, this has been awesome. The numbers are great. Let's continue this into the preseason. We will we will effort a show. What do you say, Chris? Let's effort a show on Friday after we get to see some practice. Um, I know Mike will have a nighttime show this week. Um, I'm trying to think. Media day will be like Thursday right after um, we would normally do a show. So I, I don't want to promise a Thursday afternoon because we may not know what we're going to know at that point. Friday, we will effort that. Um, hey, Keenan Nelson comment. Uh, I wonder if that's Mr. Keenan Nelson Sr. Or if uh, or if Keenan Nelson Jr. is on here hanging out. Um, either way, yeah, either way, a great chance for Keenan to uh, maybe push for some playing time at that nickel spot after playing uh, the entire bowl game. At nickel, so we'll be fun to watch him this fall, and fun to watch the whole team on Friday. So, um, shout out to him. Shout out! It is Keenan Nelson Senior. Shout out to Mr. Keenan Nelson Senior, and uh, shout out to everybody who joined us. This has been awesome. We appreciate y'all for Chris, for Charles Power, who was great as always. I'm Wes Mitchell. We will see y'all soon. <laughs>